two weeks ago, I spoke of two encounters with our Eucharistic Lord. The first encounter was in a small, darkened church illuminated by candlelight. The second encounter was four years later in a large cathedral bathed in sunlight through enormous stained glass windows. Today I will share with you my conversion story and what happened between those two mysterious Eucharistic encounters. Before Nancy and I were engaged, we were in a long-distance relationship. I was working and living in eastern Nebraska. Nancy was working and living in northern Colorado. It was during the fall of 1976, long before the internet and even cell phones. And so there were two ways of communicating over that distance, over the telephone, what we call today those landlines, and through the U.S. mail, what we call today snail mail. Again, this was before we were engaged. I still can remember one of those long-distance phone calls, a call that lasted over four hours. I was still not convinced that becoming Catholic was something I wanted or even needed. That was until Nancy very lovingly yet with firm conviction said that our relationship could not continue until I was open to learning about her Catholic faith. She said in no uncertain terms that she would stay true to her Catholic faith and would not ever consider leaving the Catholic Church. It was at this time that I made the decision to seek out a Catholic priest and to put aside my anti-Catholic tendencies and to really begin to learn about Catholicism. What happened next was both ironic and the work of the Holy Spirit. I contacted a couple at the very small Assembly of God Church that I attended in Milford, Nebraska. I asked them if they knew of a Catholic priest nearby that I could meet with. And they did, and they spoke highly of Father Clarence Reisdorf, the pastor at St. Vincent de Paul Church in nearby Seward, Nebraska. The couple who had referred me to Father Reisdorf were in fact fallen away Catholics. I remember first meeting Father Reisdorf and I was prepared to go through a list of my objections and problems I had with the Catholic faith. I don't recall ever getting to my list of objections, but I do remember that Father Reisdorf was one of the most understanding, wise, and gentle men that I had ever met. Before I could get into my list of differences between my fundamentalist views of Christianity and what the Catholic Church taught, uh, Father Reisdorf said that I needed to first and foremost find those Christian beliefs that Nancy and I agreed on, such things as the inerrancy of sacred scripture, the incarnation of Christ, his passion, death, and resurrection, to name a few. And this is where I needed to start. He gave me a book to read and I, to learn about Catholicism. It was entitled Christ Among Us, An Introduction to Catholicism. We met several times after this first meeting, and slowly but surely, I was seeing the Catholic Church in a new light. My ignorance of Catholicism was being exposed. My ignorance of Christ and his great love of the Church was being brought into the light. What stands out to me was that Father Reisdorf told me that the Catholic Church always proposed the faith and never imposed it. That faith was a gift of God and that I was free to accept or reject what the Catholic Church proposed. Father Reisdorf was helping me move from a King James Bible-centered Christianity to a Christ-centered Christianity. With his guidance, I also began moving from a me-centered form of Christianity to a community 
me-centered type of Christianity. When I say a me-centered, I mean a type of Christianity where it's just me and Jesus. I would soon learn that the faith in Christ was much more than a one-time, born-again, personal experience with Jesus. My movement toward Christ and the sacraments was beginning to take shape. One of the pivotal movements or moments of, the, of this movement toward the sacraments is when I asked Nancy when she first accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. I wasn't prepared for her response. She simply said she never remembered a time when she had not accepted or known Christ in her life. Her life in Christ began at baptism and his presence was always there, most especially in the Eucharist. I had no answer to this, and I thought to myself, that is the kind of relationship with Christ that I want and I need. At the end of my homily, I will share with you the day I was baptized and received the Eucharist for the first time. In the gospel today, Jesus is in the midst of the very personal conversation with Nicodemus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus continues that conversation with us today in this place and at this hour through the power of sacred scripture and his presence among us. The gospel proclaimed today is from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. We don't hear the first part of Jesus' dialogue with Nicodemus, which is at the beginning of chapter 3. This is where Jesus begins to reveal to Nicodemus about who he is, what salvation means, and what one must do to attain it. One must have faith that comes through baptism. In John 3, 3, we hear, Jesus answered and said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Translated from the Greek, the term from above also means again. Jesus means from above, but Nicodemus misunderstands it as again. Nicodemus is not comprehending what Jesus is saying and goes on to ask Jesus if there is some way for somebody to re-enter his mother's womb to be born again. Jesus then explains to Nicodemus that he is not speaking of natural birth, but that he speaks of being born from above in a supernatural way. Jesus is speaking of the necessity of baptism. Now we come to today's gospel where we're here in verse 16, one of the most famous and most quoted passages in the New Testament and probably of all sacred scripture, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. And for me, growing up as a Protestant, a Pentecostal, this verse summarized most of what I believe. As I prepared this homily, I got out my old King James Bible, and I do mean old. I received it as a birthday gift from my parents when I was 11 years old, and that was 54 years ago. I used that Bible faithfully through my late teens. You know what I found when I looked up John chapter 3? I found two verses underlined in red, and circled John 3.3 3 and John 3.16, the very same verses that I referenced earlier. John 3.3 3 in my King James Bible reads as follow. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. For me, as a Pentecostal Christian, this verse was where my identity began and a reference given to those I would ask, are you a born-again Christian? Back then, for me, this had nothing to do with baptism. Through the lens of the church and a more accurate Bible translation, this verse is still worthy to be underlined in red and circled. And it has everything to do with baptism. Whenever I am a celebrant at a baptism, I always use the gospel text from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. There are several other texts that can be used in the baptism rite, but for me, this exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus is at the very heart of what baptism means. Now we come to John 3:16, and when I look back to my Pentecostal days, this verse was a condensed version of what it was to be a born-again Christian. Paired with John 3.3, this was all that I needed to know as a Christian, that I was born again and I believed in Jesus Christ. In my conversion, I came to believe in a Christ who was encountered through the sacraments of the church. At the beginning of my homily, I spoke of two mysterious encounters that I had with our Eucharistic Lord. My first Eucharistic encounter was at night in a church bathed in candlelight, my second Eucharistic encounter was four years later during the day in a church bathed in sunlight. Then six months later during Mass on September 17, 1978, I was bathed in the light of Christ in the sacrament of baptism and received the body of Christ in the sacrament of the Eucharist. My journey from darkness into light had brought me to the sacraments of the church. The young man who believed with all his heart that all he needed for salvation was that he was born again and believe in Christ was now truly born again. That is to say, born from above in baptism and had now come to believe in a Christ he could receive in the Eucharist who was truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. Brothers and sisters, in that moment, I also realized that it wasn't just me and Jesus anymore. No, it was me and Jesus and a new family, a family who was with me that day. My wife, Nancy, our oldest son, Cameron, who was baptized with me, my father-in-law, Nunzio, who was my sponsor, the family which it was at the St. Patrick's Catholic Church, the family which was the Archdiocese of Omaha, the family which is the Universal Church. I was reborn into the body of Christ. Looking back, my memories of that day are almost dreamlike, not like dreams that most of us have at night, which come and go. The memories I have of that day are real because Christ's presence in the sacraments is real. In a spiritual sense, I am still living that dream out through the sacraments of the church, most especially in the Eucharist. And there are times when I receive the Eucharist at Mass I go back to that day when I first received Christ in the Eucharist. I still remember the joy and the gratitude I experienced. That's when I pray that I never take the gift of the Eucharist for granted. May that prayer be yours as well.